you know what that sound means? It's now streaming. Now you gotta ask yourself, did I watch three movies or four? Welcome to Now Streaming. Now Streaming on Now Streaming, where we learn what we are now streaming. I got you for 15 minutes. We're streaming along because it's now streaming time. Anchor has given Davi a penny. It TPYD is a free podcast. This week on Now Streaming. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Now Streaming. I'm your host, Drew Crawford, uh, joined tonight by Drew Allen. Our other other co-host, Kyle, uh, couldn't be here. Uh, He had a little bit of a family emergency, but the pod must go on. He insisted. So uh, we we are missing him terribly, uh, but hopefully our anchor, our rock, will be back here soon. Uh, but as the name implies, now streaming, this is a, an episode where we like to talk through things that we're watching, movies, TV shows, uh, and give you recommendations on whether or not we like them, if you should spend your time, uh, and you at home, if you have things that we think we should be watching, uh, send them our way. Uh, you know, you can reach out to us on Twitter at NTPYD Podcast or uh, send us an email at NTPYDPodcast at gmail.com. Um, uh, but I, I've been watching a couple things. Um, the Olympics just started the winter Olympics. Yeah. So I haven't been watching as many things. Uh, I, <laughs> I love the Olympics, uh, winter and summer. I don't know why. Um, I don't even have like a favorite sport or anything like that that happens here. I just love global competition for whatever reason. I believe you, but I also have to... I'm under the impression that curling is very high up on your list of things you would like to master. I would love to be an excellent <laughs> curler. Uh, curling seems like the type of Olympic sport that it's just like a bar game. Uh, <laughs> it it does seem like one of those sports that you do not need to be like the most athletic athlete in the world. Like You could nah. be a 45-year-old at a bar, literally, and just walk off. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of skill and the release and the sweep. And the, yeah. You don't want to downplay oh, no, absolutely. professionalism. But also, I don't think you need to be able to run a, a 4-2-40 or you know, any, jump over the moon. Any Olympic sport where you could play with a pitcher of beer next to you is the type of Olympic sport I want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, true, true, true. So I, I'm going to be devouring all that content uh, from NBC and Peacock and wherever else it's going to be on. But um, other than that, I, I watched you know all my recurring shows that are coming out right now. Um, Peacemaker um, is the one that's got me hooked every week. Like I'm just so excited for the new episodes, um, and I think that show is a lot of fun. We talked about it briefly on here before, but... Uh, one of the things I love about that show is the intro that James Gunn yeah. did. Uh, the the dancing, like, musical the, intro. The choreographed dance number with the eagle flying in it. Yes, the yes. And I read an article about it where James Gunn was talking uh, to, I, I forget what the magazine was, but he was talking to somebody about it and talked about how in this age of, you know, skip the intro button, uh, mm-hmm. His goal was to make something so fun and so captivating that people wouldn't skip it. And ah. I was like, that's a really interesting goal to set for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he also mentioned that the uh, the woman that he had come in and choreograph a lot of the dance for them 
uh, was actually married to Alan Tudyk, and he didn't know that. No way! And so, like, she would be sending him videos of, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this move, you know, for Peacemaker, or I'm thinking about doing this kind of dance style for, you know, one of the other people, yada, yada, yada. And it was Alan Tudyk in their kitchen performing the move for them. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, that's a, that's a really funny little tidbit. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that, I was going to say, that, that reminds me, like, the, I, the concept of, like, wanting to people not to skip it. I think there's a Joel McHale uh, show on Netflix that was, like, his Daily Soup, but on Netflix, essentially. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Every, at the end, like, when the end credits come on and you have, like, five seconds to decide whether to just skip to the next show, there's a different in credit song playing over and it's like they it seems like they hired just an indie rock person or like the producer in charge of music just recorded his own audio and every time <laughs> it was the same like music track but different words and it was like calling out the audience for skipping and like it was it was really clever and like it took me the first two or three times to be like it like tripped my brain up to hear somebody be calling me out for don't you skip that button yeah kind of stuff but in song and i was like all right all right well done that's clever it, I watched that same show, and it actually happened a couple times where I remember uh, trying to get to listen to the song, and then it would automatically skip me to the next episode, <laughs> and I would back out of it, go back to the previous episode, and then go all the way to the end just so I could hear the song again. That's like how much I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's that's so much work because there is not an easy skip button in yeah. streaming culture. That's what our podcast is about. We want to get that skip button and 90-minute movies. That's uh, right. As your podcast hosts uh, that you don't deserve, but you do need, we will get that done. Or <laughs> we are not going to be mayor. You know, those. that's the that's a stipulation. That's our, our platform that we're running on. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we'll get a lot of swing votes. Um, mm-hmm. The other couple of things I've been watching, I... Uh, I don't know why I was sick this last week, and I watched The Princess Bride. It's like one of my comfort <laughs> movies, and I absolutely love that movie. It's so fun and so okay. quotable. I thought for a second you were going to go like, ugh, I got sick, and I don't even know what I was thinking. I just turned on Princess Bride. I was like, that's a, one of the great movie, and two, you don't have to be embarrassed about that, but obviously you wanted to watch that movie. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not embarrassed about it at all. I love that movie a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, um, And then... It's just so fun. It's nostalgic. Uh, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the the other new thing I started watching uh, is a show on Amazon Prime called Vox Machina. And if yes. you... I think that you are aware of this. Um, a lot of our listeners at home, I'm about to out myself as a big old nerd. <laughs> so just go ahead and, and judge, judge me not. Uh, but Vox Machina is a new show on Amazon Prime, and it is based on a... Uh, ongoing show and podcast called Critical Role. And that is a bunch of voice actors who have been friends for a long time. And they started getting together like in 2015 or 2016 and started recording themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons and putting it out on Twitch or on YouTube or whatever you wanted mm-hmm. to stream it on. And it's become wildly popular. And so they call their little band in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Vox Machina and they have now had a animated series made about them and all of those same voice actors are getting to voice their characters which is really fun that's awesome uh, yeah. but you don't have to like D&D to enjoy the story 
obviously there's little things about it that you're definitely gonna go oh that's fun mm-hmm. like i see what they did mm-hmm. there but it's just a it's a fun kind of animated adventure story uh it's definitely kind of crass it's definitely uh really funny um mm-hmm. I, I would recommend it, but again, I'm a big old nerd, so I know it's not for everybody. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I think like one or two years ago, they wrapped up that storyline uh, with Vox Machina, and now they're making their own um, like a, a sec, like a series two with totally different characters. Uh, so that may be a little bit easier to hop into if you want to get into that, uh, other than because I think there's like over 100 episodes, and they're all like three or four hours long at a time. Yeah, but the the TV the show is supposed to take place like before the the podcast did, so all that prequel stuff, which I think is a really mm-hmm. cool idea. That they get to see what they did beginning uh, out. But the the head guy Matt Mercer is like one of the top dungeon masters in the world, or something like that. It's just crazy where his mind goes. And I so love it. It's so creative. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun uh, to, and it's really funny. I love that they're all really good voice actors. And so mm-hmm. you can hear them talk in their regular voice, and then they immediately adopt their character voice, <laughs> yeah. and it's always different. And they all like switch in and out of different accents all the time, and they're it's really fun. Um, they, so they also that, like give it in the in the podcast. They give each other like tips on how to do voices too. It's so funny to watch a room full of voice actors. There's like one scene in particular I'm thinking of where one of them was trying to do a crow noise. Like the noise of a bird, and he yeah. didn't quite get it right. And like four of them jumped on it. I was like, "Here, do this, do this." And like one person did it. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's it." And then he did it perfectly. Like mimicked him. It's just like the way their brains work is yeah. insane. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's my little nerdy plug. Uh, <laughs> and but other than that, uh, the other thing I've just been binging is How I Met Your Mother because uh, Emily and I are still trying to work through all of that. So there's a lot. Mm-hmm. We're in season three now, uh, but we're we're cruising. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Drew, what about you? Clip. What? Yeah, what, what have you been watching? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I, you know, I went back to the oldie route. I, I took a break last week and didn't watch my classic movie. I'm glad that Crawford picked up the mantle mm-hmm. and inspired me this week. I threw on the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner and the whole lot. Um, How did it compare to was, Prince of Egypt? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> a lot more of an epic, like, grander style. I mean, the big difference for me is that it was four, almost four hours long. Yeah. And so it was an investment that I was semi-prepared for. It's like I geared up for it, and then I got two and a half hours in, and my like my wife got home, and she's like, hey, can we do something, <laughs> like, together? And I was like, oh, yeah, I still have an hour and a half of this movie left. <laughs> Dear Lord. And we, they hadn't even gotten to the Ten Commandments yet. It was like <laughs> we had just started the plagues. So I think like I, Prince of Egypt is more fun and a shorter movie and a lot yeah. more easily digestible. I, I think the argument can be made that the Ten Commandments is a better movie. Sure. And if you have not watched it, I w- you know, and, and obviously if you're of the Christian faith, then I would throw it on and recommend it. Um, but it's so interesting to see, like, there's so many legends of this Hollywood movie. Like, this is, like, a cornerstone in the Hollywood, mm-hmm. like, universe. I mean, I know that's a, that maybe an overused term, but, like, in Hollywood itself, there's so many stories that came out of this. This was such a big project, production. There's, like, something like 14,000 extras and, like, 12,000 animals used oh on set. It's just insane what they would do back then. Yeah. And it's really fun to see. And it's like it came out in the 50s, and they have like special effects on there. There's like fire, like 
CGI'd in. I'm like, I don't even, I didn't even think they knew how, like, they had computers back then. Like, how in the <laughs> world are they, how are they doing that? Uh, so that was really cool. And then it's, it's just as much fun to, like, go in and, and read, like, the trivia page of IMDb, which is, like, 300 pages long of just little paragraphs. Yeah. Of interesting tidbits. There was, uh, there so, was one thing you mentioned in there. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think most people would that the Ten Commandments is a better movie for mm-hmm. so many reasons uh, than Prince of Egypt, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But one aspect that I really appreciated about Prince of Egypt that we watched a couple weeks ago was uh, when you mentioned the plagues because, mm-hmm. man, the Ten Commandments just really draws those out. They yeah. They bang on those ten, or on those plagues for a really long time, and and, and they the don't Prince even show Egypt, all of them. No, but they and the Prince of Egypt did it in like ninety seconds. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Here you go, you get it. Let's <laughs> they they show them all, and they, uh, I had read one story where they like filmed the frog scene. They had gotten the frog plague filmed, and then the director Cecil DeMille was like, mm, "This is not scary. This is just stupid." So they cut it from the film. <laughs> Which made me think, yeah, it would be kind of difficult to really convey the terror of having frogs all over your town. Sure. Which, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but I, I love Charlton Heston. I mean, you know, this was back when, you know, men were men and Charlton Heston's voice was, you know, he's just like a brawny man. I think the the bad guy, Ramses, is played by Yul Brynner, a uh, famously bald actor. And he, when he heard that he was starring against Charlton Heston, he like, decided to beef up and like work out so that he's not like overshadowed when they're both shirtless on set. It's funny. Which I thought was funny to hear like the it seemed like the first time I mean there may have been before or earlier versions but it seemed like the first time that people were like, "You know, I'm going to outlift you. I'm going to be the big <laughs> guy on set." Uh which I assume gave way to our Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, The Rock Vin and, and yeah. <laughs> Vin Diesel. I will outlift you. Yeah. Uh but that was fun to think about. And I, they did a really great job. It's, it's definitely a lot more religious, like, biblical take. Like, it's a lot more straightforward. Like, this is a Bible story, and we're going to talk, like, biblical characters, and there'll even be, like, straight-up quotes from the Bible. Yeah. So it seemed like it was it was still important that they got the story right, which was cool. Uh, but uh, you didn't need four hours, essentially, to watch that movie. So if you got the time, it's, like, it's worth it. It's fun. It was a good watch. I would recommend it. But a lot more easier to watch, I'd say, is the other movie I watched this week, which was House of Gucci. Have you have you watched this, Crawford? I have not. I know it came out like around Christmas or whatever. Um, yes, yes. And I looked at it and said, there's a lot of good actors in this, and mm-hmm. I am uninterested in the story. Yes. Yes, uh, I, I I was waiting on to see if other people were going to recommend it to me or not, so I'm very interested to hear your opinion. Yes, uh, I'm glad to hear that you also thought that because when I watched the trailer, I turned to my wife and I said, I do not want to watch that movie. And she turned to me with her eyes gleaming like, oh, I really want to watch that movie. <laughs> and like the first time that roles have been switched where I did not want to watch a movie and she really wanted to watch the movie. Uh, but I was like, I don't really care about Gucci. You know, I don't, I don't really like the biopic genre as a, like a, as a film genre. Like I either want it to be a documentary or just don't base it on relatively true stuff like why would you i don't know it does make sense to me as a genre that being said adam driver does a phenomenal job lady gaga does a phenomenal job al pacino does a good job uh a phenomenal job sorry i shouldn't I, that makes it sound like he doesn't do as good <clears> job. uh jared leto does a phenomenal job he was one I of the did. ones i was really interested to see what was going to happen because i feel like jared leto 
has the potential to do good roles and then also mm-hmm. has the potential to be very cringeworthy. Yes. And I, I will say, like, Jared Leto plays, like, the, the comedic relief of the film. And I, I don't know how much, how well he achieves that because, I, I, you know, ever since him as the Joker, I kind of get nervous to see him on set. I'm like, how method did you go here? Yeah. But honestly, Al Pacino and Jared Leto, like, have really funny parts to, in the second half of the movie. And they could be the funniest scenes of the whole movie. Like, I could watch a whole movie of just them two acting their characters out. They play like a father-son duo, and Jared Leto's kind of like the the dopey idiot brother that is never successful, and everybody is like, no, your ideas are terrible. Don't <laughs> do anything. And just kind of use it. It's super sad, but Jared Leto does a really great job of making you feel for the character as just kind of that bumbling idiot who's just trying to get his ideas made. And Al Pacino is like this, this dad who's all about profit, and, you know, I don't know. It, I thought it did a great job like them two specifically and the movie was pretty enjoyable it's slower than i wanted and there are a lot of moments where i was like okay there it's like a a a movie about a really rich family that doesn't know how to interact like it's all about the awkwardness and the like the backstabbing like crooked nature of being in a really rich family who owns like a really rich successful business and all of that kind of backhanded stuff that goes on which is interesting but also kind of cringy for somebody as empathetic a viewer as I am. Yeah, me too. So I know, I know Crawford, you are as well. So I would, I would gear up for that side of it, but it is a a very interesting story and they do a a fairly good job of being accurate um, without bogging it down too much in the details, but it's just a crazy story where it's like you root for somebody different throughout the whole movie. And then you also root against them. Also, it does a really good job of flipping. Like really Scott does a great job of making you care about this character and then see their flaws and then care about this character and then their flaws. And then you don't know who to root for. And then in the end, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's, it's pretty intense. So I would recommend it. I too had the thoughts of like, Hmm, I don't really want to see that, but I was glad that I did. So if you got the time house of Gucci, it's worth a watch and it's not three and a half hours. Yeah, also nice. Yeah, and the last one I'll talk about on our now streaming episode is the Suicide Squad James Gunn version. Oh, now, nice. I watched this one a while ago, but I've heard you and Kyle continuously talk about Peacemaker over and over again, <laughs> and it's made me want to watch it. But I, I have to be honest, the first time I watched James Gunn's Suicide Squad, I was super nervous the whole time, like. I didn't know where they were going to draw the line on Suicide Squad. Like, they open up, and they, like, just kill off everybody very gruesomely. And, like, for the rest of the movie, I was like, oh, please don't go too far. Please don't make me sad. (laughs) And so my stomach was, like, up in my throat, and it was not a super enjoyable experience. Um, But after having set through it, like, okay, I know where their line is. I know where they... You know where James Gunn is going to take it, and, and you know I know where he's not going to cross it to where it's uncomfortable or sad. Uh, it was a much more enjoyable experience the second time through, oh, and nice. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it, and I liked the Peacemaker in the movie. I I think I had heard somebody talk about them not liking John Cena's Peacemaker. They they didn't dislike John Cena, which I was in, I thought was interesting, but they just didn't like. They didn't think he was funny. That uh, they didn't like his character. They kind of thought he was, I mean, he essentially is another 
uh, Bloodsport. What's the what's uh, Idris Elba's character's name? Do we know that? Uh, is he Deadshot? No, that was uh, that was Will Smith in the other version. It was Bloodsport. Yes. Okay. Look it up. Thank you, IMDb. But um, so I get that. And so when they made when James Gunn decided to make a TV show about a character that spoiler alert was essentially killed off in the movie and was also a redundant character. I was very, like... I was both interested and, like, taken aback. Like, how is how in the world are they going to come up with a TV show's worth of content that I'm going to find enjoyable? Like, I know James Gunn is a, is a very charismatic director. Like, he is very fun and, like, creative, and he's going to come up with a bunch of crazy stuff but i just didn't know how they're going to build a tv show around the character so i i kind of want to ask you crawford as someone who really likes peacemaker the tv show mm-hmm. to kind of explain how they go from the side character that turns out to be the bad guy in suicide squad to the hero of it's his own tv show um yeah sure well i think part of it is that uh he's not really the full traditional hero uh and he's not entirely the anti-hero uh either he is i would say closer to the anti-hero like a deadpool type character uh than like a than like a true like hero of the story but one of the things that's great about it is that they make his character unlikable if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but you still find him enjoyable um like you're you're not rooting for him but you're entertained by him um yeah and and then they do a good job of bringing in all these different little side characters that are just captivating and really funny um and like a lot of james gunn movies uh the dialogue is is really excellent so I, mm-hmm. I think that that's really captivating um, and does a lot of driving of the story. So it kind of sounds like we got kind of a, a Star-Lord meets Deadpool hero who's like yeah. bumbling and but also will like straight up shoot somebody in the head if he needs to, has no problem with that. Uh, yeah. But he has like a team around him to kind of guide the show so that you're still rooting for the heroes. Yeah, so and add, and you yeah. also start to realize that he is a, a big product of his circumstances, like we all are. Uh, you mean his mm. dad in the show, and his dad is a piece of work. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> it, it's not like an excuse, but it does give context for why he is the way that he is. And you uh-huh. see him trying to be better than that, but like he just can't get past okay. you know some of his upbringing. Um, so you see growth on that level. But yeah, I think the comparison of like a star Lord meets Deadpool is, is pretty close. Okay. It sounds like, I mean, that, that sounds like a suicide squad level story of like world building. I, I should say it sounds like world building for a suicide squad level character. Like they, you have this, I don't know, C tier villain slash hero. And you're going to build the world out around mm-hmm. like ground level, like heroes essentially in the DC universe, which I've always enjoyed that like level 
of herodom in the DC universe. I think they do a great job of giving you you have your Supermans, your Wonder Womans, your Justice League, but also within the Justice League you have your Green Arrows, you have your now Peacemaker, you have like um, I almost said Iron Fist, but I know that's Marvel. And I don't, I don't <laughs> Plastic there. Man. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, I really wanted to come up with a third one so with Black Canary uh, for like taking out. They're still taking out groups of you know bad guys, gangs, but they're not going up against alien planets. Yeah, and so it, it, it adds a whole bunch of depth and levels to the world, which I think does a really great job of both boosting up the Justice League's movies and also adding weight to the whole world around it. So that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a watch, and I will. Tell y'all next week my thoughts on Peacemaker, Woo. and hopefully can't wait to hear Crawford's thoughts on Succession. But <laughs> that's all the time we have for now streaming. If you want to write in and let us know what you would like us to talk about, topics we'd like to you'd like us to do, break down, review, talk about, then please write into us at ntpydpodcast at gmail.com or on ntpyd podcast on twitter thank you so much for joining us i'm not the podcast you deserve please have a great day or night depending on what time you're listening to this 